Hello, all you lovely souls who revel in embracing life just as I do. This is Nirja Malik and you are welcome into my world of I Embrace. And what do we intend to do here? We delve into the many layers and shades of my life, exploring resilience, positivity, strength, and the inherent fun in laughter that lies deep within each of us. Interludes from my own exciting and adventurous journey, my personal battles and victories that have brought forth innumerable lessons in my life. It is these learnings that I place on a golden platter with utmost humility for your personal consumption. Hello again, listeners, and yet another episode carries on. We've come of age. Well, the earlier age used to be 21, so we're into our episode 21. And where did we leave off? We left off with my aunt having been diagnosed with blood cancer, the bond between her and I, which is more like close sisters rather than aunt and niece, because the difference between us was only a mere five years. And I had left her after two months of being with her. I'd left her in Pune, telling her that I would be back soon. And she better hang in there and get up and be up and about to meet me. Yes, I got the flight back with a heavy heart and a prayer of hope. For what more can we mere mortals do but hope and pray? So one night, in deep sleep at home in London, I had an ethereal experience. It was as if I could clearly see myself lying in a bed, vividly aware of the colours of the wall, the bed sheets, the curtains, the oxygen cylinders and the monitors. I could subconsciously See everything around me. I saw my parents, my grandparents and other family members appearing sad and mournful. I heard their hushed tones and worried voices as if calling me back. I rapidly drifted in and out of consciousness. I could distinctly sense my soul leaving my body and being drawn to a bright light at the end of the tunnel. And then suddenly everything went blank and I woke up with a start, sweating profusely. I jumped out of bed, my heart pounding dreadfully and automatically reached out for the bedside lamp, paper and pen. The desperate urge to release what I had 
so realistically gone through, overtook me, and the words came pouring out like a torrential downpour. My mind started vacillating furiously to and fro between the numerous possibilities. Had this been some kind of a nightmare or a premonition? Was this an intimation of a future occurrence or just a figment of my writer's imagination? Or was this just one of those dreams that unconsciously materialized in my mind for no rhyme or reason? The latter seemed hard to believe. Shortly thereafter, the telephone bell rang ominously. Forebodingly, I ran towards it. My mother's words that Papu was no more shattered. I weakly held on to the table, not knowing how to react to this information. I was crushed. My world seemed to collapse as the truth of what I had been told began to sink into me. Time stood still. In that abyss of nothingness was a deep and empty void. The pain of separation, the loss of someone who was always an integral part of my life, right through childhood, till we evolved into matured adults, was absolutely incomprehensible. How do you catch a moonbeam and never let it go? How do you hold all the unconditional love, affection and adoration within you while the giver has ascended into the afterlife to be one with the Creator? How do you laugh, love and live when your companion and comrade through thick and thin was no more? And I embraced it all. I embraced the loss. I embraced the loneliness. I embraced the knowledge that Papu will never be there for me anymore. And in the process of embracing this bitter truth, what I also embraced was her unconditional love, her affection, her constant protection, and the very fact that she was one of the most honored entities in my life. And wonder of wonders, even though I was saddened deep within at her passing on, I had literally experienced all that she had gone through. Finally, our paths separated when the light beckoned us. She went on and I woke up. I embraced that also because indirectly and unconsciously, my mind and soul was at peace knowing that she was now at the lotus feet of the Lord and one with the Supreme Creator. And because I embraced all of this so open-heartedly and blissfully, I became a quintessence of tenderness, affection, fondness, passion, dedication and selfless love. These were the very ingredients that I dipped into when I embarked on the road as a liberator of hope and faith for all the patients I counseled later on in life. Next year, back in India, 
and dedicatedly working as a teacher in G.D. Somani School in Mumbai, I was in the process of writing out a leave application to attend Papu's Barsi. For some unknown reason, instead of mentioning my aunt's 11th month ceremony, I kept penning down that I had to attend her last rites. I couldn't fathom out why. With much confusion in my mind, I actually submitted the leave request at the office and left for home. The moment I reached home, I received a call from my mother, urgently requesting us to reach Pune as soon as possible, as my grandfather had just passed on. Now it hit me why I was clairvoyantly writing a different reason in my leave application. I kept remembering the words, last rites, and I couldn't fathom out why. The Chautha ceremony of my late grandfather tragically coincided with Papu's Barsi, deepening the sorrowful heart-wrenching mourning. While the condoling family and friends were scattered all over my uncle's home, I turned to my sister and I shared with her the surreal experience I had had just prior to Papu's death. She looked at me aghast and in hushed tones whispered to me that that is exactly how it had happened. Truth, after all, is always stranger than fiction. I have always embraced the ups and downs of life throughout the entire meandering course of inevitable experiences. The fact of the matter is that one can just not avoid the black, splattered white realities of our existence. Every moment of our life is shaded in diverse hues of grey, from the darkest to the lightest, and from the gloomiest to the brightest. And in the embracing of this pragmatic actuality, I have found solace in a very inclusively conscious set of thoughts that I often share with patients that I have been counselling over the years. I believe, and very intensely so, that we are all made in the image of God and hence, indisputably within us, there exists not only a divinity blessed by Him, but all the virtues used as stepping stones to reach levels of brilliance as expected of us. I also feel, as we are made in His image, it is our natural birthright to be happy and healthy. How else do we face the several challenges that life throws at us now and then? Finally, each of us has the capacity to blossom in life joyously, resiliently and courageously. So whenever I'm subjected to challenges in life, I adopt a very simple and emboldening process 
to ride over and conquer those adverse moments. I place my challenges at the feet of our Lord and speak to Him in silence. I tell Him that the problem was given by Him, so He needs to provide me with the solutions too, leaving me free to do His work with unconditional love, dedication and passion. And that's it. Simple and straightforward. If I had to face and solve all my challenges in life alone, how would I be able to embrace the challenges faced by others and make them strong enough to overcome their adversities? How would I ever be able to pursue my passionate desire and bring about a humongous change in the minds of all the people connected to me who wish to live blissful and peaceful lives against all odds as I do. And let me tell you, this equation works wondrously. I've never felt his absence in my mind, body or soul. Somewhere deep within me, I feel his presence always leading, protecting, enfolding and embracing. He is the one that has carved the path of my life's journey. And as I walk on it, He is my guiding beacon. Now, one of our life's biggest challenges is to overcome one's fears, especially if they are an outcome of dreadful experiences. Many such experiences can lead to an unerasable scar in the psyche, which more often than not are worse than suffering a constantly infected wound that keeps cropping up again and again and again with monotonous regularity. The only way to ride over these fears is to embrace them like I have done. All my life, since time immemorial, after finishing school in Delhi, my family and I joined my father, who had been posted at Mumbai. Now came a major decision for me to either do a four-year graduation in Mumbai or a three-year one in Pune, offered because of my excellent school results. So Pune it was, and as fate would have it, I was back in the arms of my favorite aunt, Papu. And there was an added advantage too. A good old Lambretta scooter belonging to my uncle, which incidentally will steal the central focus of this episode. When I first set my eyes on the Lambretta parked in my uncle's garage, it was love at first sight. I felt my heart pulsating furiously I could already visualize the steed and I merged as one single entity, riding into the blue wild yonder. I could vividly imagine the innumerable exciting adventures that were soon to unfold inescapably. But let me digress here a bit, because it takes me back to another memory, a memory of something that happened 
when I was 10. And now I'm 69. Well, that was 59 years back then. So we were in Srinagar. And uh, as usual on a summer vacation. And the entire family, uncles, aunts, cousins, everyone was gathered together. By which time we also had our dogs. And I insisted that General Surinder Mohan, my uncle, teach me how to ride a scooter. And so he did. I don't know how they gave it to a 10-year-old. In any case, his way of teaching me how to ride a scooter was actually how one teaches someone to ride a cycle, which means that you hold the seat from behind and you run along while the learner is sitting on the cycle. So he felt that that was the best. So I started the engine. He held the seat. And you know the road along Presentation Convent, outside our home, leading to the Bund, where the river Jhelum flowed on that road. He decided to hold the seat of my scooter and run along. Now what happened is that when you have a machine that has an engine that is pounding beneath your seat and you have the power of the accelerator, you don't want to be hung back by a human being who's trying to run along. I accelerated. But guess what? I accelerated without knowing what to do with the clutch. So though I accelerated and we zoomed forward, leaving my poor uncle way behind, I suddenly came to a little hilly area. Thank God that is what the band was, where if I had gone over it, I would have fallen straight into the river Jhelum, having perhaps crashed right into a houseboat parked along the side. Thankfully, while going up this hill and not knowing what to do with the clutch, the engine gradually came to a spluttering halt. By which time my uncle had caught up with me and was furious at what I had done. Nonetheless, he realized that he cannot hold the seat and run along while teaching me how to ride a scooter. So the next day, when his agitation had, you know, released and I was more his friend than his enemy, he chose to take me for another ride to acquaint me with the advantages of having a clutch and to coordinate between the clutch and the accelerator, keeping the brake in mind. So that was when I started learning how to ride a bike. The second time this got repeated was when I was still in school, but older and wiser, so my father thought. And he was sitting behind me and we were going around Dholakua, which is the armed forces quarters or other colony where the army, navy and air force posted in Delhi, they and their families stay. So it was beautiful. We rode through the lanes, going alongside the gardens of Dhalakwa too. And my father was very happy and proud of me. And then he said, just take us back home. And while we were driving back home, I suddenly realized that I really didn't know how to stop a vehicle or stop a two-wheeler. So while he was directing me into the garage, 
I suddenly hollered and said, Papa, I don't know how to break the scooter. And you know what he did? <laughs> he cursed me roundly and loudly. From behind, he managed to put his foot in front. It must have taken quite a bit of uh, gymnastics for him to do it. And he managed to press the foot brake. The <laughs> location of which I had no clue or the advantage of which I didn't know better. So those were the two <laughs> memories that every time I think of them with my general uncle and my father, the captain of the ship, I go into peals of uncontrolled individual laughter. And now we come back to Pune, where I was doing my college. I was doing my first year FY first year of college, so that I needed to do only two more years in Bombay and carry on. So having fallen in love with the Lumbretta, thankfully, my uncle encouraged me to learn how to ride it properly, often sitting behind me as a teacher and guide, giving me instructions never to go outside the gates of the College of Military Engineering where we resided. C.M.E., a large expanse of military acreage, gave enough space for me to zip around, becoming more proficient in my riding skills. Simultaneously and longingly, I kept glancing at the boundary walls tinged with a rebellious storm brewing inside me. After all, the whole world was my oyster. And how long could these imprisoning walls bind me down? I now awaited with bated breath for an opportunity to fling off my fetters and freely fly. I Embrace isn't just about my journey of conquering cancer. It's about embracing life in all its entanglement and beauty. Remember, in this journey of life, you are never alone. And I need to thank you for becoming a part of this inspiring journey. Thank you for joining me today on I Embrace and my heartfelt wishes. Stay resilient, stay positive, and most importantly, keep embracing life in all its glory. <laughs>